0: Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. I wonder what the strangest thing you've ever encountered is or or you've ever experienced in your life. I think that's very easy for um, anyone who's come from overseas to Australia. Is anyone actually born overseas and come to Australia? There are some strange things in Australia, isn't there? I think about the platypus. Yeah, ever thought about the platypus? You look at the platypus and you're thinking, man, Jesus, what, what is up with that? Is that a duck or is it a an possum and it swims but then it comes out? It's just, oh, that's very, very strange. Um, I, I saw on the news um, this last week that they're trying to bring Zumba back. Does anyone remember Zumba? Zumba? I don't know if one of our life groups could be a Zumba life group. <laughs> Can that actually be redeemed? I don't know. But this idea of actually exercise and fun, is that like a strange thing? Exercise and Zumba. A lot of people come to Australia and they look at um, football and, and they look at it and they say, that's not football because football is, is, is soccer. That's right, yeah. And you, and you look at AFL and you think, man, what? That is just one strange, um, strange, strange game. Veggie is another strange thing. People are like asking the question, of what, is, what is Vegemite all about? Let me tell you what Vegemite is all about. Vegemite is the bar that you cross if you ever want to wonder if you are an Australian or not. If you can get a, great ta- uh, like a, a piece of toast and just put some great margarine and butter on it and a good layer of Vegemite. I'm talking about a decent layer. And you put it down and you just take that bite and you go, mm, that just tastes like heaven. Some people it might taste like something else, you know. (laughs) Strange things. I've been thinking about strange things, and I I think in my life I'm often confused when it comes to strange things because I don't know what they mean. They're unfamiliar, and I don't know what they mean. And and what's particularly... like, 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 hits me is that if if I experience something, if I see something, it's foreign to me, it's strange. I don't know what it means, but at the same time, I intrinsically know there's something important about this. That really gets me. I want to like find out. Okay, why is this so important? Well, one of the strangest experiences I've um, had in my life has happened a couple of times, and um, it's actually happened as I've um, gone overseas. And um, a couple of times I've, I've ventured overseas and I've stepped into these buildings and um, they're known as temples. Has anyone stepped into a temple before? Temples are kind of strange to Australians. You, you, you don't like, often think to yourself, you know what, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I've got a great idea, I'm going to go to a temple. They're kind of odd, they're kind of strange. We don't have too many of them but they are scattered around. Chances are you you, you probably just drive past one, and you wouldn't even know that is a temple over there, and, and there's something about like a temple, as I kind of walked into this building, so I, I know it, it's important, but at the same time, it's really strange to me. So I remember a couple of years ago, we were in Malaysia, and we walked into this temple because all the tourists were doing it, and we're a tourist, so we walk into this temple. And, and as I walked into this building, it's called a temple, I noticed a couple of things. You walk in there, and all of a sudden, people are very quiet. They're very reverent. You know, very, very quiet. I noticed that there were different smells, you know. There was obviously in Malaysia, there were some smells outside. I walked in there and there were some different, there was incense. There were different um, symbols which were intentionally placed around the building in order to get my attention. And there was most definitely a change in the spiritual atmosphere. I noticed that straight away. But temples are strange. They're strange because they're foreign, and they're strange because we don't know what they mean. And then comes a Christian. Most of us here are Christians. Then comes a Christian, let me say this, then comes a Christian who is ready to read the Bible. All right? Who's ready. He's come to a place, and you're reading the Bible, and you're ready to read the Bible. And then you read things like this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 17. Paul says something like this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Hmm. And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. I mean, I'll just observe a couple of things from those couple of verses. Uh, that Paul's actually saying that, uh, that, that collectively, the temple's not a building, but collectively, the temple's a group of people. We're a group of people. There's a place where where god is it's sacred that there's that, that a together word that it's a sacred space that involves sacred people um that, that 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 we're kind of like this temple and i think you know what temples are strange so in my mind i'm reading it. i'm saying what exactly does that mean what does it mean what exactly does it mean well, we're in this series which is called image if you've been around with in the fourth week of that and this series is about trying to figure out together as this sacred family trying to figure out how we can be more faithful living as resurrection people in 2023 and this understanding of temple this is actually going to be a key component actually trying to figure it out is anyone else still trying to figure it out is anyone here actually got it figured out yet Who's honest enough to say, I haven't got it figured out, Dave? You're in the right church. We are a family who's trying to figure this out together, you know. We're on this journey together. We said a couple of weeks ago that if the Bible actually had a blurb, most books have a blurb. They tell you what it's about. The blurb would actually read like this. It's in your notes. It'll also be on the screen. You're going to become very familiar with this blurb over this year. The blurb of God's Story is that God is establishing His rule over creation through humanity for His glory. This is an incredible story. It's a story about God. It's a story about us, but it's also a story about creation. This is an incredible story, and we've said, I've, I've made a point of saying many times that, the, that those, those notions that sound spiritual, like like let go and let God or let Jesus take the wheel, they are actually a departure from the biblical narrative. And a lot of us have bought into that. And one of, the, one of the things when you actually apply yourself to biblical study and when you actually are ready to read the Bible and look to it, you actually read Scripture, you look at Scripture, and then you look at your tradition, and then you have to figure out what part of my tradition fits with the story and what part of my tradition do I need to dispatch. And maybe for some of us, there, there is part of our ideology, that I need just that Jesus take the wheel and the Holy Spirit say, that is not how this works. That is not how this works. The way that this works is that you partner with God and you take the world somewhere. There is incredible agency which is given to humanity. It is such a dignifying thing. It's such a a thing of value and worth. And, And that's what we're kind of saying. We also said that this is a long story, isn't it? People in this building, you've been Christians for a long time. And this story has been going for a long time before you were born. And it's going to continue for a long time after. And because of that, we said, are there any reference points? Are there any markers that we can actually use to actually help us understand the story, but also understand where we are in this story? So we kind of uh, have used an um, a old framework. We'd use some different language. And we've actually um, called um, used three words. They're called goal, mess, and plan. Goal, mess, and plan. And I've labored on the point of actually paying attention to how much of the Bible is actually in those three categories, goal, mess, plan. In the goal, we've got like four chapters, and the mess is a few, and part of the plan is actually most of the Bible. And what we're trying to say is that Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are actually loaded with meaning, letting us know a lot of information about the goal. What is this whole story about? that this story, this plan, God had something in mind before the mess actually came in. That God is establishing his rule over creation through humanity for his glory begins at the very start of the story. And guess what? We as reclaimed people, the story now continues in and through our lives today. So what do you save to? You're saved to the goal. What do you save from? The mess. And now that you and I are saved, what are we now part of? We're part of the plan, And some of you guys are already getting sick of me saying that every week, aren't you? But by the end of the year, you'll just know it. So why is it, why is it important for us to understand this strange concept of temples? Or as Eva talked about, tabernacles, funnily enough. It's intrinsic to understand the goal. And because this idea of the temple is important in understanding the goal and this idea of the temple is actually thread throughout the rest of scripture it's going to be important for us to be able to understand what in the world is the bible going on about when it starts talking about temples because they're strange they're foreign i don't know what they mean but i know they're important so today we're just going to start that conversation 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? What does that mean, Paul? What does that mean? Have you ever read scripture and like if you actually took some notes or, or asked questions of scripture, you would actually get this red pen out and by the margin, you would actually ask a question and write it and say, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyone? It should be quite common. We're talking about an ancient text here. The problems when we try to make strange things familiar, like scripture. What does it mean? Well, let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And again, this chapter is the chapter that fits into the category of the goal. And we're only going to very briefly go through this because we've got the rest of the year to really um, develop our understanding. I'm trying to do this very slowly. Verse 1 Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. We've already said in previous weeks that Genesis, the creation story in Genesis, is not a story that presents us with data that we take and that we hold and then we actually sometimes weaponize when we actually um, feel like we need to defend the faith. Rather, it is epic poetry which is purposed to spark our imagination, to enlarge our vistas and to behold our incredible created God and to see what he is doing in this world. One of the important things for us to understand um, a couple of weeks ago, Nigel and I did a New Spring conversation about this, is that when this narrative is given, when God so graciously reveals himself and actually gives this narrative, this creation story, he gives it to people who were located thousands of years ago in the past in this period that we describe as the ancient Near East. We use that terminology, ancient Near East, to to kind of describe um, kind of the culture and the ideas that were swimming around, um, say, 3,000 years ago. Um, Because some of those cultures, some of those ideas aren't necessarily swimming around today. So God graciously reveals himself to people thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago. He reveals himself to people who are living in the ancient Near East so that they can understand and comprehend who he is as their God and what he is doing. And that little piece of information is so important because we're not swimming in the ancient Near East. We're swimming in 2023. And part of our culture is that we are becoming more and more atomized. We are becoming more and more individualistic. We we, we are lifting ourselves higher and higher and higher, which means because we're swimming in this culture, we naturally want want to read the Bible on our terms. But you can't understand the Bible on your terms, Because the Bible was given for people in the ancient Near East 3,000 plus years ago to understand on their terms. You know what I'm saying? So if we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, understand the story, be engrafted into his story and actually live that out, we actually can't have a mindset, God, you know, Jesus, I need to understand this on my terms. No, we need to understand the Bible on their terms and then apply it to ourselves. That's actually how we have to read the Bible. That's how you respect Scripture. That's how you respect Scripture. And the Bible is actually a a library. There are different genres. So you need to respect every genre differently as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, far out. It's an incredible thing, but it also can be sometimes daunting at the same time. So what does it mean to actually understand this? So as Israel listens to this creation story for the first time, imagine for the very first time, and they listen, they're hearing it. There's this communal aspect, they're listening to it. Genesis 1, Genesis 2 is being shared to them, they're listening to it, and they're living in the ancient Near East with ideas and culture and values swimming around, it's not new to them. And as they're listening to it, they know, okay, this is epic poetry. This is what this is. They also understand that this story is not talking about the genesis of material stuff. They understand that the genesis that the creation story is talking about is this functional genesis, functional genesis. What does that kind of mean? Let me give you this illustration. There's a number of people in this church and you're building a house at the moment. You know, Jules, you've been building for a long time, taking longer. You know that contract is extending and extending and extending and extending. Let me put it to you this way: it is different. There is a difference between creating a house and creating a home. They're different, right? Create a house. Uh, to, to create a house, you need to put the slab down. You need to get the bricks. you know that? That process takes like a lot of time. But when the house is built, then you start the process of creating a. Home, don't you? You know, you got all your stuff in, in, that, in that shell, you know, and you got, like, boxes and stuff's in it. you got labels. This is for the kitchen. This is for the bedroom. This is for... But, but, but everything's in a box. It, it hasn't become a home as yet. In the imagination of people of the ancient Near East, they hear this story and they know, okay, this is the story of a home being created here. If you want to hear about the story of the house, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. There you go. There's your house narrative. That's it. Now let's talk about the home. I mean, if you really want to go there. Okay? The question is, though, what kind of home is this? All these questions. Scripture always provokes these questions. What kind of home? And again, people living in this culture they would have automatically knew, they would have automatically known, we know what kind of home is being talked about because we understand some things. There's some key points of information that lets them know what kind of home. And the key points of information was there was six days and then there was a seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested. And um, also, there's this image that's created and actually placed into this home. They all, like, with that small amount of information, they knew exactly what was being Created here, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array by the seventh day. God had finished the work He'd be He'd been doing, so that on the seventh day He rested from all of His work. God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it He rested from the work of creating He had done. They automatically knew what kind of home Genesis one is the account of God establishing uh, establishment of functional order for flourishing in order to inaugurate uh, inaugurate the world as a cosmic temple. If you want to know why temples are so important, the very first thing we'll learn about God is that he is creating a home, a temple. And that's important, even though it's strange, really strange. And this was common practice in the ancient Near East. What would happen is that you'd have these nations go into war, and if your, your nation beat another nation, that actually meant that your God defeated um, that nation's God. And, and so, like, if your God was victor- had victory over the enemy, there would be six days to build a temple. And then after you build a temple, you put an image of that God in the temple. And on the seventh day, there was this understanding that the victorious God would come into that temple and rest. That was just known. I wouldn't have had to convince them of that. They're swimming in this culture, you see. So Genesis 2 verse 1 to 3 lets us know in an epic poem that God has effortlessly brought order and function for flourishing out of chaos and non-function. And after finishing this, or after effortlessly having victory over chaos and non-function, he now enters his home that he has created a cosmic temple and he rests. And again, there's another question, that word rest, what exactly does that mean? Rest for God cannot mean the same thing as rest for me. I've got a busy day, I've got to go to another church tonight, right? In between, I need to do some rest because I'm going to be tired. But God doesn't get tired. Does he? He doesn't get tired like we get tired. So what does rest mean? Well, again, for the ancient audience, ancient Near East, divine rest always happened in a temple. And the temple itself is seen as a place of divine rest. Rest is not disengagement with the now completed world. Rather, it is continual involvement in its normal operations. Let me give you this example to try to unpack this word rest. Last year, Anthony Albanese um, went on an election campaign, didn't he? He went on an election campaign, spent a considerable amount of time campaigning to become Australia's 31st Prime Minister. In a very real sense, he spent months and months and months to create his Prime Ministership. After he won, he entered into the Prime Minister's office in Parliament House in Canberra. It would be Nonsense for us to think that after he went through the campaign, becomes prime minister, he just sits down and like just stops doing everything. No, now he starts doing a different work. He is no longer creating his prime ministership. He is now in a position where he starts to govern and to rule, right, over the nation that we call Australia. What is God doing when he rests? He builds his house, his home. He comes in after completing that in order to begin his reigning, and his ruling over creation. That's what that word rest means. It's a cool word, isn't it? Hebrews talks about those who would enter into his rest. I wonder what that means. Anyway, so rest does not mean being, uh, does not mean being absent or sleeping. It means, and Israel knew this, that God, he is now establishing his rule over all creation as king. And then he places the imago day his image in place and we will get to that in future weeks and we will spend a, a significant amount of time with that as well so remember the blurb of the story god is establishing his rule over creation through humanity for his glory all of this begins in the goal genesis 1 genesis 2 packed with meaning who is new spring church in this context well don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in your midst? That makes complete sense now. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. Of course it's sacred. Of course it is. And you together, together, are God's temple. We are the place, in New Spring Church, where God rests And establishing his kingly rule on earth. That's the one thought for today. The one thing I wanted to land. And I'm just going to allow that to mess with your thinking for the rest of the week.